and welcome to Rewildology, the show that explores conservation, travel, and rewilding the planet. I'm your host, Brooke Mitchell-Norman, conservation biologist and adventure traveler. Take a moment to reflect on the brands you're most loyal to. What is it about their product or service that keeps you coming back over and over again? Is it their impeccable customer service, the quality standards they hold themselves to, how much they give back every year, or maybe their utter commitment to green practices? No matter the reason, you're a customer for life and will go out of your way to support them. Now imagine a coffee shop opens in your neighborhood with the same ethos. You visit for the first time and realizing while enjoying your cup of joe that a portion of your drink will be donated to wildlife conservation. The warm, fuzzy feelings hit you, and as you look around, you notice that the bright walls are full of rhino art and paintings. The owners clearly aren't donating as a marketing ploy. They believe in their mission, and by supporting them, you are helping them contribute to conserving rhinos. You decide right then that you're a customer as long as their doors are open, and walk away with a smile on your face. Can you relate to this story? It is, in fact, true. The Lecker Coffee and Watering Hole opened in my favorite part of Denver, the River North Art District, or Rhino for short. After I realized Lecker's purpose for opening their doors, I knew I had to talk to them. A flood of questions popped in my mind. What's it like opening a mission-based business? How does my cup of coffee contribute to rhino conservation? Why did they decide to go to such lengths of opening a brick-and-mortar business? I'm so happy to share that I had the opportunity to ask these questions and more for this week's episode. Today, I'm chatting with Kara Finkelstein, co-founder of Lecker. Kara was raised in California on 20 acres with farm animals galore. Growing up, she thought she'd become a veterinarian until she realized how many sick and dying animals she'd have to deal with on a daily basis. She shifted her studies but never lost her passion for wildlife. At the end of a backpacking trip through Europe, she decided to enter at Care for Wild, the largest rhino orphanage in the world. Her life was forever changed. She came back to the U.S. incredibly inspired and decided a coffee shop was the way she wanted to give back. She co-founded Liker with her mother in October 2020 and hasn't looked back. I hope you all are ready to be super freaking inspired and get the push you need to start your big idea. You will literally have no excuses after you hear this episode. <laughs> All right, everyone, here is my conversation with Kara. Kara, you're amazing. And I'm so excited to be sitting down with you right now and learning all about this beautiful coffee shop. So we are actually in your coffee shop right now in Denver, Colorado, in Rhino. And... Obviously, a lot had to happen to get to this point. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a little. Just just a little. It's just my new detail. Yeah. So take me back in time. Let's go back to even even all the way back to your childhood, because I feel like all of this had to come together in some way. So sure. take me back. How did you get to Denver and this coffee shop? Yeah, well, I feel like there's so many different prongs. Um, there's the whole animal piece and then there's the business piece and then there's like the family piece we kind of roll through them all I mean growing up I always thought I was going to be a vet I had horses I I grew up jumping horses was just full bore like 
into like, let's save all the animals. Mom was just telling a customer yesterday about how I would like find a little baby bird on like, cause we used to, I grew up on 20 acres in California and I would like bring it home and like put it in a little, like, <laughs> like a little washcloth and be like, I'm going to save this bird. And mom's like, I think the bird's going to die. Like, <laughs> I think. So that was just like growing up who I was. So we had like, we had all kinds of farm animals. So just growing up with that, just kind of instilled the love of animals in me. And I never really thought about you know, conservation from like, oh my God, these, some of these animals could not be alive anymore. Like they couldn't go extinct like while we're alive until after I went to Africa. So that's like kind of down, down the road, but the whole family piece and business piece. I mean, my mom who opened the coffee shop with me, Dawn, she, we had a bar in our family from the thirties. I think it opened in the thirties and was like renamed in 1946. And so great grandma started it in the depression and ran it for a while. My grandpa ran it for a long time until he got sick. And then mom ran it for 10 years and was kind of like, so she just, she was just a badass, always running these small businesses. And so I think that was kind of where it stemmed of like, okay, we could bridge all of this together and we could open something and have it be like this family run business where we also support something that people don't really think about in the area that we're in. So that was like the business piece. And then, you know, there was some family stuff going on and she was like, hey, you know, what should I do next? And I had been living in Denver at the time for like five years. And she, I told her, hey, just come over here. I just gotten back from Africa and um, she moved here. And we were like, hey, maybe we should do a coffee shop. But I think, I mean, there's so, it's so many jumbled little pieces <laughs> when I think about it. I'm like, oh my God, there's them. so much going on. <laughs> um, so moved to Denver seven years ago now to open an office for the company I was working for at the time. So it was technology consulting. They had asked me if I wanted to move to, it was Seattle, Austin, or Denver. And I never lived anywhere besides California. And so I was like, you know. I'll go take weekend trips. Like that, that seems right. No, like not at all. Like that's how I was going to judge where I was going to live. Um, and we took, I took a weekend trip to each location. It was like whatever felt right. And Denver just was super cool. Everybody here is very chill. And ultimately I was like, I got my husband now, but boyfriend at the time, we were like, I'm like, I'm moving to Denver. Do you want to come? He was like, what? <laughs> so he ended up moving out here with me. We knew nobody. Like we ended up moving to um, to Lohi and we lived there for a couple of years and we were like, wait, this is pretty cool. But I wasn't loving the consulting company and working there. And it was just a lot of, you know, force, like not forcing people to work. That sounds really terrible, but I was like a staffing agency and and it was getting people to like you know, working these tech jobs that I wasn't sure if they loved and I wasn't loving either. And it's just all this money and not my favorite situation. So Brett was like, you know, you should quit your job and we should go travel, which, you know, every millennial, right? Like, <laughs> let's throw in the towel. Let's spend all of our savings and go. And so we went to Europe backpacking for two months. And I had quit my job because I was like, you know, I don't love it. I need to try to find something that like, you know, I love and that I can also give back and like do do more. And so Brett had just taken a leave of absence. So he ended up after the two months flying back to California to keep working. And I I was I was just literally Googling like how can I get involved with African animals? Like I quit my job, like I need to go do something while I'm over here. And so I found Care for Wild, largest rhino orphanage and sanctuary in the world. 
in South Africa. So it's in a town called Nelspreet. And I was just like, this sounds, this sounds right up my alley. Like, cool. Let's raise some money. Let's like donate and I'll go for a month and we'll just see how it goes. And so Brett left. I think we were in Spain at the time. He left. And then I flew from Spain to Africa and went and lived at this orphanage for a month and just like the most hands-on work I've ever done in my life, which growing up on 28 years with like horses and pigs and goats, like I thought I was like, you know, I can carry a bale of hay around. Like I'm fine. Um, no, <laughs> they'd be like, here's like 40 bales of hay, like carry them down the road. And I'm like, where are the hay hooks? Like what? Like I didn't know I needed, like I didn't have gloves. I was just like totally ripped up. Are you serious? Um, yeah, it was nuts. Hay? It was nuts. And so it was that, it was like, it was just a really, I mean, I absolutely loved it. Like, I had forearm muscles. Girl, I had never had forearm muscles before. Like, from whisking all of this milk for these little baby rhinos. So, little about Care for a while, a little snippet, since I'm hopping all over. Um, they partner with Kruger National Park. So, anytime a mother rhino is poached, that they can find the baby, they'll helicopter them to this facility. And, you know, they, they then, like, group them up into other little, little orphan crashes. And it's just the sweetest little thing. But... When I was there, I mean, one one particular rhino got delivered. I think she was four or five weeks old, they were guessing. And they were like, we don't know if she's going to make it because she's so small. And, you know, she she took the teat right away, though. And, like, now she's three and mm. she's thriving, little Ruby Bell. And that was kind of a pivotal moment for me where I was like, wow, this is not only, you know, like catering to something that I'm very passionate about, but at the same time, like, they need a lot of money to be able to feed, like, I feel like they have, like, 70 rhino probably now, maybe even more. But to be able to, like, you know, reproduce and, like, get all, they have 22,000 acres out there. And I'm, like, there's a lot going on that, like, people don't even know is happening. I'm pretty sure, like, most people in Colorado have only seen a rhino just at the zoo or, like, right. you With know. Dave. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Shout out to Dave. Yeah. So I, it was kind of this moment where I was, like, wow, I'm seeing these animals just firsthand and, like, we're literally like saving them because they would have just died in the bush. And that was really, really cool for me. So after I finished that, I came home and I was kind of like, I got to get another job because I just spent all of my dollars. Um, and so I ended up going back into tech, didn't love it again. And that was at the point where mom had been running the bar for 10 years. And she was like, oh my God, I just woke up and it's been 10 years. Like, what should I do next? And I'm like, well, I don't really picture you as like an 80 year old running the bar. And she's like, well, I could. <laughs> and so I was like, well, what if we, what if we did something together in Denver? Like, you know, I'm feeling super inspired after just getting back from this trip and you need something to do. And we both love humans and we're both morning people. And so I started walking around our neighborhood at the time, which when we moved back, it's called rhinos. It's river North. It's R I N O. And um, there's rhinos on the bikes in the bike lane. Like, they really have gone full bore with Everything this is rhino here. Like every, but, like, no one talks about rhino conservation, which blows my mind. And so I was like, you know, this feels this feels very right. And mom was like, you move there. So, like, there's rhinos everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, we'll never know. But it felt very good. So we were like, okay. I We were walking one night, just, like, walking the dog and – I saw a space for lease. And so I was like, I'm just going to call and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I called and was like, hey, you know, my family's going to open a coffee shop and we're really interested in your space. And they were like, great, send me a concept. 
And I'm like, cool, yeah, I will get that over to you. And I'm like, get off the phone. And I'm like, what is a con? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> and so I'm Googling, like, what is a concept? And I'm like, we don't have a name. We don't have a logo. Like, we have nothing. We just know that, like, we want to do something together. And so I ended up calling one of my friends who had gone to school with me, and she's a graphic designer. And so she was, there's think she's doing, like, product design or something, but she had been wanting to get into creating logos and doing things like that. So I'm like, girl, we got to bring some wine over and we got to just make this concept because, like, I need to have – I think I need to make a business plan. Like, these people want to see it and I don't have anything. And so that was really how things started from scratch and how we came, came to find the name Black Earth and all of the things, I guess, in between. And now we're here. We've been open for almost 14 months, which is nuts. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, I did want to drop a little plug to a previous episode for anybody listening. It's with Andre Roberts, and he is on the Andy Poaching crew that is in Kruger. Oh, so cool. he's the one that goes investigates the wildlife scene of rhino poachers. And oh, that's so awesome. he is directly, he works really closely with Care for Wild because when a mama is poached and there's mm-hmm. a baby, they're the place that you went is the one that's called to take that baby in. Yeah. So to hear all sides of it. That's so cool. I yeah. just got the chills. Yeah, exactly. To hear all sides of it. And I felt so many amazing rhino conservationists that have been on, on the podcast. And for you to actually yeah. then go to that orphanage, that was also, it's just, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. all coming together. It, it is. It is. And I, I also just want to ask this and more of my own curiosity. Yeah. Why do you think you were so attracted to care for the wild? Why was it rhinos? Why was it South Africa? You could have done anything. I you know, were in Spain. I know. So what was it? What was it about that? We were like, I need to go here. I don't honestly, I feel like it was just fate. Like there was really nothing. I knew I loved large animals. So I thought about going to vet school. I studied equine science in college. I was a big horse person. And I just I don't know. I mean, it's just, it weirdly works out that rhinos have like a very similar GI tract to (laughs) horses, right? And I'm like, so I felt like without even knowing, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's why. I mean, I looked at elephant places as well in Africa. I think there was just this like fantasy ever since I was little, like going to Africa, right? I mean, going to Africa. Was that your first time to Africa? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've still only been the once because I was going to play it. I was planning on like, oh, we'll get groups of volunteers to go from the shop. It'll be amazing. And then COVID hit. And we were like, <laughs> nope, not going to do that. So I still have only been the one time. But it was, um, I think, just the idea of these huge animals being in the wild and like, you know, not having access to them here was just this, I, it had to have been this like fantasy of like seeing them and like, oh my God, this is incredible. I think. I don't know. Yeah. It literally just, like, <laughs> happened. Yeah. I feel like that's just my life in a nutshell. It's just, just like, go, go, go. Like, oh, holy shit, it's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just really wanted to ask that. Because sometimes, I don't know, it's just it's just amazing how those life things just happen. Yeah. You're like, honestly, I really, I mean, looking back, I'm, I mean, I'm so grateful for finding them I mean who knows like if Google's algorithm was like a little bit different that day like maybe I would have found something totally different but yeah I think I just always wanted to go to Africa and that just felt I think it was also like I knew it was gonna be very hands-on and I really wanted I didn't want to do something where it was just like sitting in a classroom and like learning I was like put me to work like I like this kind of stuff and like 
I want to pay to pick up shit. (laughs) I'm fine with that. Like, I want to do that. And my husband, I mean, Brett at the time was like, wait, you're going to go pay for a month to like literally like wheelbarrow thinking. I'm like, yep, (laughs) sure. Here we go. So I think it was like a combo of like, you know, growing up and like feeling very comfortable in that environment. And just like, I just wanted to help somehow. I don't know, but it's turned into so much more now, which is crazy. It's amazing how it's planted all of these seeds. So many things have just like fallen into place now. It's blowing my mind. Yeah. So let's continue down this path. So you could have done anything. You didn't even have to become a business owner. So one, why in the world did you decide to go into entrepreneurship? And to why exactly a coffee shop? Because, I mean, look at all these places in Rhino. You could have done a right. boutique. You could have done yeah. a restaurant. You could have done a, you know, open another bar, which your mom yeah. is very well-versed in. So, like, both of those things. Why did you not decide to go get another job? And then why, yeah. did, why, why this coffee shop? It's a really great idea. I ask myself this all the time. <laughs> I'll start by saying we knew nothing about coffee. (laughs) Like, I didn't even drink that much coffee. I just like black coffee normally. So it was never like, I went to a bunch of coffee shops for my my job prior. And so I did get another job just because I was like, you know, I don't know how long this is going to take. Like, I don't know. And when I started with that job, it was actually the company that had brought me out here originally. Oh, really? So you went Um, like full circle. I went back to them and I said, you know, I'm going to open a coffee shop. And I don't know if they believed me. Because they were like, fuck off, Gary. You don't know anything about coffee. I'm like, yeah, I don't. But okay, whatever. And um, so I was with them for another, I think, two years. So it took a year and a half by the time we actually opened. And then I still worked for them for six months while we opened. So I would literally be on conference calls pulling espresso shots. Because, like, (laughs) we opened in the middle of COVID. And we didn't know, like, what was going to happen with everything. I'm like, shoot. I mean... I don't know if we're going to make $100 every day. Like, are we going to be able to pay rent? Like, are we not? Like, we can't hire anybody. So it was just me, mom, and Brett for a while, which is hilarious to think about. But yeah, I had my little, like, headset on all the time. I would, like, run back for calls, and I'd see there's a line, and I'm like, oh, sorry, yeah, I've got to get back to you on that. Like, call you back in 20 minutes. And I'd run out and, like, help get shots going. So I don't, like, I think about this a lot, about, like, why we did choose coffee. I think... The bar, I think bar life is very hard. I think that it's it's a big, you meet a lot of people that are like, it's my dream to open a bar. And I think something that a lot of people don't think about is like, you, it's late nights, you're dealing with drunk people all the time, which is kind of hard is like to not huge like women right. to like deal with something like that. I'm like, we would have to have security, like all these different things. And it's, it is, it's hard on relationships. It's hard on, there's so many different pieces that people don't necessarily think about when you're opening a bar. And so I think we all saw that firsthand with it having been in the family for like 85, 90 years. <laughs> so we were like, okay, maybe like alcohol would be cool. We do have our full liquor license now, which yes, took me which nine months to get. So Girl, good. espresso martini. But yeah, no, I think we were both like, okay, we like, we're actually, we love getting up early. And I don't, I think when I started calling around, it was kind of like, what is something that, because we had lived in the neighborhood for a couple years, and I'm like, what is something that like we could bring to the neighborhood that would be different? And I think a lot of, there's some really phenomenal coffee shops in this neighborhood. There but, really are, yeah. Yeah, but You're none that really have like very 
like a bright ambiance. None that really have like a fun atmosphere. All have great coffee. Like some have really great food too. Liquor licenses. Like there's so many different pieces of it. But I'm like, I think we could do something where it's like very eclectic and very like bright. And like you walk in and you're like, oh my God, this is like overwhelming. And that was kind of what we were going for. And so I was like, well, yeah, maybe coffee. It was just kind of on a whim, honestly. And then we started looking into it and we're calling all these coffee roasters and it just so happens that our coffee roaster is four blocks down the street and they met with us and we tasted all these coffees and I'm like, this is good coffee. (laughs) Like I haven't tasted coffee like this in a really long time. I'm like, I feel like with our, like our personalities and we want to just be in there with the community, like coffee would be a good idea. And so it was really, there wasn't much talk about like, what else should we do? It was kind of just, we went for it. But that's kind of just how everything came into play. Like, I don't think much. My husband's always like, Kara, you need to think about these decisions. I'm like, but do I? Like, if we just go for it, you know, things just happen, right? So it's more just, I think, just full, just going straight, like going, just full on going for it. And like once mom got on board and she's like, cool, I'll move there. Like whenever we can get a lease signed, it was like, all right, let's just try it. And I think one of the biggest things people don't do is like, is try something new. And so that was one of the things that we would always talk about is we're like, you know, let's see if we can just get a couple year leaves because they make you sign your entire life away, right? (laughs) And I'm like, oh God, hope I don't get a divorce in this process. (laughs) But I'm like, you know, people don't, don't try anything new because it's scary and it's very intimidating And when you're signing like your house away in case things don't work out, it's extremely scary. And so our landlord is amazing in this space, but we were able to send a two-year lease to start. And that was kind of like, okay, we've saved enough to be able to support that. And if we don't make it, we don't make it, but at least we tried. And so I think that was like a big thing that mom always raised me with. It's like, you know, you've always got to try something. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And then be okay with that, right? Like fail and that's fine. But don't not try just because you're not you're scared or it's intimidating or whatever. And so I think that was kind of <laughs> how coffee came to be. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. That was amazing advice. I mean, honestly. When you let fear dictate your life, it's crazy what you won't do or what right. you won't try. Yeah. Like if I listened to my gut, this podcast would have never Oh my God, 100%, right? You can't overthink anything. No, no, it's Uh like I made a decision one day. Sounds like the same thing happened to you. Like the decision was made one day. We're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm a scientist. I'm not an audio engineer. What in the world? Now look at you. You got a whole like setup. You have a (laughs) tripod for your little microphone. (laughs) I love this. This is microphone number one. I'll definitely need to upgrade it. But But still, you got it. We're recording. We're We're live. We're in process. like we've got a little video right Hello. now with all of your cute, yeah, anyone can actually look right now and see the, can how see all cute the things. this place is. Yeah. And just as a little backstory, everyone. So Dave Johnson has been mentioned so many times on this podcast because he's like the man. He's he is. Pretty he's much conservation god. Man. Yes. And he's in episode two. And so how I got introduced to Kara and Don was we randomly came for a happy hour. It's like, 
uh, liquor coffee shop. They just opened in Rhino. We need to meet here. And they just have a, they just have their liquor license now. So we can have some drinks at this so cute, cute coffee shop. Because like we partner with them all the time. Because at that time, you just had the brand new painting that you yes, had just hung Russell. up. For Russell, mm -hmm. for his art, for Rhino Week here yes, in Rhino. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, it was amazing. And I had your, um, your new fashioned, mm -hmm. of course. Yes. Because I love bourbon. <laughs> And and then Ray, who is Dave's husband, got yes. the martini, and I had to have a sip, right. of course. And and it was just I loved everything about this. And also, since this screen isn't like showing the full area, Wildlife Protection Solutions, Eric Schmidt, he has been on this podcast. You can see there's live streams yeah. here. You even have their headsets on. Yeah, you even have Care for the Wild stuff. video up there. So like. Clearly, you love this. You do this. Yes. This is your thing. And so that's how we got introduced. And then we re we reconnected on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, do you want to be on the podcast? <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But let's get more into why you're on this podcast. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to interview any normal coffee shop owner. Because that's not relevant. Not in line. <laughs> like, that's not relevant. But... Your coffee shop is, because like all they said, you have this amazing experience. You have all of this rhino paraphernalia around here. So what is your connection to conservation? What is all the things that you do through Lecker to help rhinos and the planet and anything else that you do that I probably yeah. don't know about? Well, I'm, now I'm like, oh my God, I need to do so much more. <laughs> um, no, so I mean, one of the reasons, so after coming back from Careful Wild, and feeling super inspired. I'm like, look, let's get this open. But it was like from day one, and this number also just totally came out, but we're like, we're going to donate 10% of our profits back to Care for Wild. Like, we need to spread the word on what's happening. We need to help them do what they're doing. You know, it costs a lot of money to have the anti-poaching units that they have, to have all those volunteers come in, to have people coming in. And like, they have these like huts built for volunteers and like, they're cooking for everybody and all these different things. And so it was just kind of from the get-go, okay, like 10% of what we make, we're going to donate back. And so that was kind of, I guess that's really, that's really it in a nutshell. I mean, it was figuring out how we could educate the community and like get people to feel the way that I felt or at least as much as possible to just see that there's so much more than just living in a big city. Right. Like there's so many other things that that people could get connected to, whether it's rhino or any other animal or really anything that like people can do so much more than just like live and work and eat and sleep. Right. Right. And I just feel like so many people get so stuck in this mindset, like even now, so many people come in and they're like, oh, God, like I have a bunch of meetings today. Like this really sucks. Can't wait to go to bed tonight. And I'm like. That's your day. Like that really, it's not ideal. Um, so, I mean, eventually we can go back. I mean, traveling's like picking up a lot more now. Um, but I would love to get like groups going back a couple times a year to like see Care for Wild and see Africa and like hook on to something that you can help with. You know, I think there's so many different things that people can do and no one even knows what those opportunities look like. I mean, I know I didn't until I went. I was like, oh my God, like... There's so many things that we can be doing to help in just little tiny ways. So really that's, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. And I think 
Denver and like the Denver community has been amazing. Wildlife Protection Solutions in particular. I mean, I think we were, someone had written an article about us when we first opened about how we were donating back and, you know, giving a new meaning to like Rhino and in the Rhino neighborhood. And the guys from, from WPS just came in one day, I, I remember, and they were like, hey, what are you guys doing here? And I'm like <laughs> talking to them about it. And they're like, can we put this screen up? Like, it would be amazing for people to be able to actually help in the fight against poaching and be able to like, you know, say, hey, there's this car where they're not supposed to be and all these different things. And they're like, let's partner on a lot of these things. And so I introduced them to Care for Wild. And now they've donated, I think, eight to 10 cameras, I want to say, to wow. Care for Wild now, which is, I mean, just being able to make those connections and like, help others it's just it's really really cool to see mm. where it's come now wow and i also recommend everyone go listen to that episode too so that you can yes. hear what wildlife protection I need to go solutions to that. Yeah. yes what episode um oh, I gotta, I gotta oh, God. okay I just, 51 episodes in. i didn't many. know that this was going to be a thing yeah. <laughs> like i'm just like i don't know what episode that was. 14 10 i don't know well it's there it i can't there. wait to listen to it yeah um but it's with Eric Schmidt, who okay, is the nice. executive director of Wildlife Protection Solutions. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So lots, lots of rhino episodes for sure. So the one to hear the Af so South Africa side. Yeah, to hear the yeah. South Africa side. And then also to hear this side as well. So everyone go check that out. But also too, so the next thing that I want to chat about. Um, so in the conservation world, well, first I want to ask, is your business a for-profit or non-profit? We are for profit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. Because this is my next question. Yeah. A lot of people, and maybe even people listening to this, in the conservation world, for profits have been kind of demonized. And sure. because if you're a for profit, that just means you're working for the man and you just want to steal money from someone else. Fair. I know that I used to have this view. I did. It's just yeah. what was kind of ingrained in you. Like if you're not sacrificing your life and living barely on ramen because you're just yeah. working on your passion going for profit, then you're not doing it right. And then I kind of had a realization where like, I can't live like that. And then it was the first, when I worked at Natural Habitat, which was the first for profit that I worked at where I'm like, oh my God. I feel like I've done more good for them because they have such a great business model that they're donating so much money back yeah. that, oh my God, everything I thought about for profits has been completely flipped onside his head. And I feel like you're a perfect example of that too. And I don't know if you've experienced this at all, but like having your for profit model, like you're able, look how much money you're donating. Yeah. I think we just, we're almost, I think we're a little over $9,000 so far. Which, like, goes so far mm -hmm. in Africa, right? I mean, just in the past, in the first year. So we're so excited to see what we can we can go moving forward. I think that there's also, I mean, we didn't honestly even consider opening as a nonprofit. I think that there's so many different thoughts on for versus nonprofit. And I think there's also plenty of nonprofits that utilize their funds in a way that are not even... Not in a way I would do it, right? Like, I think we've seen plenty of examples of that right. over the years. And so for us, it was more, hey, let's start this as a family. Let's do something we love and care about. Let's be able to support, you know, ourselves. And I mean, we didn't pay ourselves for eight months and we were still donating to Care for a while. Like we, we I think we donated probably $5,000 before we even paid ourselves, even though it was supposed to be like, 
10% of profits. I'm like, we're not making money. <laughs> but also like people are, I want people to know like you're coming here and like, I want you to know that like you're buying a cup of coffee from us. And like some of that is going back to, to help these little, these little orphan rhinos, which I just, oh, it just gets me every time. So I think that, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to think about that. But for us, it was more, hey, let's start this family business. Let's support each other. And like, there's no reason that we need, you know, these X amount of dollars. Like why? I just think, I mean, that's a whole different conversation of like monetary need. But I mean, I just was very, very passionate about wanting to make sure that a certain amount went towards that. And I got fought on that a lot. Like even our accounts, like Kara, like, because when we first opened, I'm giving like a neighborhood discount. I've got like a punch card going. I've got my 10% going back to the rhinos. And he's like, do you like, do you ever want to pay yourself? And I'm like, well, I do to D2 at some point. Yes. And he's like, this is kind of rough. Like, this is a lot of money that you're planning on giving back. And I'm like, yeah, but that's like the epitome of like why we opened. And so I think that, you know, there's, there's kind of twofold to everything, but yeah, I mean, we're just we're just happy to be here. We're happy people like our coffee. We're happy to be giving back as much as we are. And I mean, as as long as we can just spread the word a little bit, I mean, that's really all that I can ask for. Because I think that was one of the things that we've talked about before is like making sure that, you know, when a lot of people come in here, it's a very cute space. And so people are constantly like, oh my God, let me post this photo to Instagram. And like, I you know, I want to tell people I'm here. And I'm like, yeah, but... You know, it's really hard to get the point across of like, hey, you know, one of the main foundations of like why we are here is to help give back. And that's, people are like, what's up with all the rhinos everywhere? And I'm like, well, <laughs> let me tell you, there's, we've got a lot going on. So I think that that's also, you know, a struggle that, that we go through. But, you know, we're just working through day to day, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I just love that you have that because even before you and I really connected, there's so many times that I've brought people here just because you donate. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know you do because then you post it like this quarter. Right. I mean, like you're very like open about it. You're like this quarter from all of you coming in and seeing us, we were able to give this amount of money to care for a while. Like, yeah. look, here it is. And I was like, I don't care what those prizes are up there. It doesn't matter. I'm like, girl, just yeah. like tell me what it is. Let me put my card in there and I'm going to get my coffee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know? And even if someone isn't conservation-minded, you know, because you are a coffee shop. But right. you've like married two beautiful things together. And that's conservation and coffee, which are two of my favorite things. hey hey oh, You just have conservation coffee talks, which we've talked We're about. We're in the works. Maybe. That's a little nugget for everyone listening. Maybe starting those back up. I hosted them for about two years at my last company, but maybe doing it on a more community level. So yeah, conservation coffee talks. What other better way place to do right, it? Right, literally, here. right here, <laughs> right here. I love it. Right, right, awesome. So next, and I don't even know if maybe you've thought about this or if you have, but what do you think your bigger goal is for all of this? It's a really space. great question. So we just had our year anniversary, which was amazing. The band, it was super fun. <laughs> and it's just really, really cool to see the community come together. Not only, I mean, there's the whole conservation piece and I mean, in general, but just being able to start a business in the middle of a pandemic was just incredibly stressful of like 
I don't know if this is actually going to work. And so I think now that we're getting past the point of, I mean, well, in our first lease that we signed was two years. So in another four months, we'll have the option to sign for five years. And I think that's really when we're going to sit down and be like, cool. Like, what do we actually want to do now that travel is is happening again? And now that people, like when we first opened, we were at 25% capacity. I think eight people could sit down at one time. And I was constantly having to police everybody, like masks on when you're not walking around. Like we had to take, I was literally just moving chairs around like all day long. Because people would be like, oh, I need this chair. And I'm like, nope, there's 10 people in here. I'm going to get fined. Like, <laughs> this is really scary. At one point, you know, last, I think it was December, January timeframe, we went to 0% capacity. We had to rope everything off. Like, people could come in, grab their coffee, and leave. And so we've seen a lot of ups and downs already in the past year. But so we, it's really just been, like, a, a fight at this point of, like, how can we keep like as much money staying in as possible so we can donate as much as we are. Like we have one part-time employee. Like that's literally it. We just started paying ourselves like a month ago. Like we, <laughs> I've got to like Congrats. my third paycheck and it's six weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, and it's, it's not much, but it's exciting. It's huge. And so it's like, you know, we're trying to do everything in a way that supports like our original mission of like, Let's give people good coffee, like, and we just keep saying, let's do good and drink good. Like, there's no reason you can't have, like, fantastic coffee, but also be donating back a little bit, even to something that you don't even know is really happening. And so just those little nuggets, I think we're just placing in people's heads, which is really cool. But, you know, long-term goals, it's hard to say, because I think for the first two years, we were just so focused on, like, are we gonna like are we gonna solve a roof over our heads like are we are people gonna like our coffee are people gonna want to come back and so now now is really the time frame in the next three to six months where I think we can really start planning things because I think it's working which is awesome and I think that now we can really start getting involved with other local groups and doing these coffee talks and getting people going to Africa to actually see what what else they can do, even if it's not Care for Wild, even if it's not Rhino. I mean, going anywhere in the world and just like, like with Dave, the little sea turtles, like all of these different things that I'm now becoming aware of. I'm like, oh my God, I want to go on all these trips. And I'm like, <laughs> but I got to be a barista. So we got like a lot going on. <laughs> I can totally feel you. But now you're to the point where this is like all coming together. Right. You know, like I, it's we didn't my go mind. under. Yeah. And, I mean, you've really built an amazing space here and all of you are Thank so you. sweet like I mean even before we I mean I would definitely call you a friend now and yeah. even before that just how all of you treated everybody that came in your door and like I you said I brought multiple people here yeah. like before we really connected I'm like I love this coffee shop oh, Rhino is my favorite part of town you're meeting me here <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yay no it's we do we really love I mean, we just love people. And I think that was a huge piece of why we wanted to do something like customer facing. I mean, it's, it's literally like everybody comes in and I'm like, how was your trip? Like, how, how's your dad doing? Like, you just had surgery. What's going on with that? And it's like, it's just fun. It's fun to get to know people when, I mean, we're, I, I mean, we're just really extroverted as well. So I feel like <laughs> that probably helps. I'm like, we'll sit here and people won't come in for like an hour. And I'm like, I'm just feeling really tired right now. Mom's like, get your ass a cup of coffee. You're fine. <laughs> and people come in and then we're like, hey, like re totally rebooted. So I think that that definitely helps too. Like, you know, getting people also very hyped for their day with caffeine <laughs> is nice as well. 
for yeah, right. It helps. So you just touched on something that I would I would love to explore a little further. So you did open this coffee shop during COVID, yeah, which blows my mind. Same that you that you did that. I mean, with when so many places were closing their door, you're like, let's open brand new doors. Yeah. So take me through that a little bit. How exactly did that go? How did you open a coffee shop during this insane pandemic when we weren't even allowed to leave our house for a while? Like, what was was it like for you? Not (laughs) fun. It was, um, so I, I went to care for wild in 2017. And so we, since then, I think it was August of 2017. Facebook clearly reminds me of these things all the time. (laughs) One year ago, you were here. And I think that after I'd come back and mom and I had had these conversations of like what we wanted to do and we had settled on the coffee shop after having the whole concept conversation and we created that concept and it was looking real good and we were feeling very confident in it. This was actually the third space that we settled in at and actually opened. So I think I want to say... I don't even like it's hard to believe that's already almost 2022. Yeah, it really is weird. So we opened like when did we even open in October of 2020? So it must have been in like 2019. We signed a letter of of intent with a space probably like four or five blocks away. We were it was going to be they were calling it like the Etsy of Colorado and it was going to be a bunch of little stalls, probably like 20 or so with a centralized bar super cool concept and we were just gonna have 400 square feet it was gonna be like a little coffee like section in that space and we signed these documents and we were so excited we had an architect drop plans and then somebody came in one big company and was like we'll pay top dollar for like the whole space so the leasing agent was like well that's a clear choice don't have to chase like 20 people for rent i get rent from one person and i don't have to like negotiate all these terms and they ended up going with them. So we got booted from that space. So that was pretty deflating. This hadn't even, COVID hadn't even been a thing. Yeah, it was yet. 2019. Yeah. Then we're looking for more spaces. We find a space on Brighton Boulevard, which is about another half mile, but the other direction. We sign a lease with these guys, have all of our HVAC drawings done out. We have full architectural drawings run out again. And that was at the point that COVID hit. And so it was in March that we had signed that lease. We put quite a bit of money into the space already. There were other neighbors that were going to be in there with us. It was going to be kind of like another shared space, but with like half dividing walls. And I think there were going to be five units. We were in the back space as the coffee shop. And COVID hits, the landlord sets us down. It's like, hey, I've given people the option to like back out if they want, which is pretty incredible. Like that doesn't really yeah. happen. Like a lot, I know a lot of people were like fighting with their landlords about terms and all these different things, but we hadn't started the build out yet. And so he's like, look, if you want to stay, I'll work with you and we can renegotiate terms and like lease price. And at the time we were like, you know, we've been trying to do this for like a year and a half. We're going to stick with it. Let's stick with it. And so we did. And it hit like May or June and things were getting pretty bad and things were closing and people weren't going to restaurants anymore and you weren't allowed to sit in coffee shops anymore. And we were like, oh God, (laughs) this is kind of freaking us out a little bit. And the fact that we had to build out the space and because of everything going on, like build out prices were skyrocketing. Mm. And like, it was three times the amount that we were expecting. We didn't have the money 
Chase was like de- denying our loans because we didn't have we didn't have like a business plan. I mean, I like I give them my business plan, but they're like, you guys haven't made money. Like, I'm not gonna give you all this money to be able to do this in the middle of this pandemic. So it was just a straight out no. And we're like, how are we gonna fight? Like it was just it was probably six months of just like, oh my God, like I don't know. We've signed, we've already signed everything. I don't know how we're actually gonna make this happen. And it was at that point in time when my neighbor this the space we're in right now was a coffee shop closed down in December of 2019 so not pandemic related the guy had just sold his business and it was connected to a burger joint across the hall and so some guy was like subleasing it i guess and he ended up up and walking away is a very strange story <laughs> lots of rumors around that one but we ended up coming to tour the space because i live 3 blocks away from here mm. and so i was like my neighborhood said, why don't you look at the Hotbox Roaster space? And so called the, called the landlord. We had still, we hadn't pulled out of the other space yet. And I was like, let's just go look. It was built out as a coffee shop. So we just need a facelift. I'm like, we wouldn't have to get a loan because we don't have to pay for like electrical and plumbing and all this crazy <laughs> right. stuff that like I'm having to now think about that I didn't know anything about before. And so we met with them and I was like, I'm, I'll be very honest. Like we have a signed lease elsewhere. But, you know, if you guys can work with us on this, you know, give me like two weeks. I'll see if I can get out of that and we can maybe do this. And it just ended up working out. And so we ended up pulling out of that space. We left a lot of money on the table there, but it ended up still being a situation where we we saved money on the build out here. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, this just this just feels right. And this landlord was incredible in, in giving us the time and to do that too, which was, we were really grateful. Cause I mean, you just read all these stories on the news of like evictions and like all of these things happening during COVID. And so we felt really, really grateful for two landlords that were like gems, absolute gems. And so, yeah, so then I think we signed, we looked at the space in like May, June, and we signed our lease in August sat in here and the landlord literally grabbed the lease from us and was like you guys think about what you're doing right now are you sure you want to do this and we're like give us that piece of paper like we are, <laughs> we are feeling ready and i mean mainly because it was a two-year lease we i don't think we could have done a five you just don't know like at that point you know we didn't know what was going to happen i think everything was i can't even remember the capacity levels when we signed but we opened on october 1st which is my birthday wow. um, of 2020 and we had gotten our business license like th- two or three days before. And <laughs> we're like, do are we feeling ready? <laughs> Absolutely not. Do we know how to make latte art? No. But let's just do it. Let's open and we'll see who comes and it'll be great. And so it was a lot of just like putting a lot of faith into just the space itself and just connecting with people. And we knew that we liked that. And it was a lot of just hoping that it would work honestly and now we're here which is really cool it's really really cool this is just crazy it's to crazy hear. it's so crazy to relive it in my mind i'm like god you're psycho <laughs> like <laughs> i'm literally psychopath <laughs> you're like did i really make these life yeah, decisions right? looking back i'm like but it goes back to when i was talking about i just like in my mind i just make these choices and just go full-blown like yep this is what we're doing and i think that that's you know, there's downfalls to those choices sometimes, but I think that it, more people they should live their life that way. Yeah. Try new things. Well, when you have a plan B, there's no way plan A is going to work. Yeah. Right. If there's a door somewhere behind, right. you're like, okay, 
So if this doesn't work, yeah. I already have a job lined up at XYZ yeah. in downtown. Right. Then how in the world are you going to make this work? Yeah. You know? Right. I mean, it was just one of those things. I think when, to, to tie back in the conservation piece too, I think when you're that passionate about something and you're, you're doing things for the right reasons, I think things do fall into place. And I'm a very big believer in the harder you work, the luckier you get, which is something my first boss taught me, which I really didn't love when he told me that. <laughs> At the time, it's like, oh, you just want me to work harder and I'm randomly going to get lucky. Like, thanks, man. Um, but I really think, I mean, we put a lot of, like, literal, like, blood, sweat, and tears into this place. Like, all of this woodwork in here, I think you can kind of see on here. Like, mom and I did that. Really? We went to the, like, lumber yard and I was, like, doing all these math calculations. And I'm, like, we borrowed a nail gun and, like, a miter <laughs> saw. I've never used any of those things before. But they're, like, these things that people quote you to do. It's, like... You just got to put your mind to it and you can do it. Like you can really do anything. And I think that was a big realization for us with the space mm -hmm. for sure. Kind of fun. <laughs> I love a nail gun. <laughs> big, wow. big nail gun gal. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I would, I would love to take a second here since you, I mean, you're well on this path. You've like made it past the hump. I would say of like, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. We did not have to shut our doors during COVID or anything like that. So if there's anybody listening to this right now that are thinking something similar, like using entrepreneurship, a business of some sort to contribute to conservation or bettering the world in some way, what advice or ideas or thoughts or message do you want to share to those people that might have that thought in their brain right now? Yeah. I mean, I think that you have to love what you're doing. I cannot tell you how many hours that we spent here being like, we're just fucking exhausted. <laughs> like people, people still come out. Wow. Working with your mom. This is just crazy. This is so fun. And I'm like, believe me, there are some not fun times about opening a business. I mean, during the pandemic, you don't know what's going on. I think that you have to be extremely passionate about what you're doing. You have to be willing to put the time in and just being self-aware of like what that looks like. Because I think even for me, I mean, opening, it was kind of like, oh, we've got three of us. We can do this. There were like plenty of hundred hour weeks where you're just like, I would take naps in the back, like on the floor because you're just exhausted. Like you can't, form, you can't formulate sentences like think when you're so tired and you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to figure it all out. So I think finding other people that like making sure that you have the support that you need during those times. I mean, meeting with other business owners that have done this on their own, I have so much respect for because it's like, it is just, it's so much work that you're putting into it. But just overall, if you're passionate about it and you love it, do it and try it. And you know, I think that a lot of people are afraid to start small too. I mean, I can't tell you how many people reach out to us and are like, hey, can I do a pop-up here? And I'm like, 100%. Like, come try something. Come see if people want to buy a product. Like, I don't know if you've heard of Wild Wax Candles. No. But a woman just started this candle company in Colorado. And she's selling candles, which we're going to be making gift baskets with, which I'm so excited oh. about. Um, but she donates 5% of her, for her profits back as well. But to a variety of endangered species. And she has each candle, like, scent matched with, like, a different endangered species. Like I think I just bought a pangolin handle because I'm like, I love pangolin. Um, and so I think that she just had a, a pop up here last weekend. And so she's coming again in a couple weeks 
And it's like, it's just trying something out that maybe it's a time that you feel like you lost your job, like you with podcast, just jumping right in and doing it. You just need to just like grab life by the horns and go. And it's super intimidating, but having a support system and just really fully making sure that like you actually love what you're doing this for. Cause there were plenty of times where I was like, dude, I don't know if we, I don't know if we can do this. Like, and just having mom like, well, we're, we're this far, so we're actually doing it. So get ready, like, get up, set your alarm. Um, I think is is really big, and I think those are the things that people don't talk about. Everyone just talks about the successes all the time, not about the times where we sat in here crying on the floor, like, oh my god, are we gonna have enough money to actually like pay for our espresso machine? Like, can we do that? Like. Can do we know how to make this place look the way we want it? No, but just try. You gotta try. And I think that's like a lot of people don't talk about like the hardships of actually starting a business. So I think there's the piece where it's like, you know, go balls to the wall and like don't look back and just go for it, but also being realistic of, you know, do I have the time? Do I have the funds to like support myself for the next six to twelve months? Because I probably won't be able to pay myself for that time. Being realistic about that too. And like being like nice to yourself where it's like, you know, give yourself some time to like think it through. I think it's important. Yes. <laughs> right. There's some highs and there's some lows. No. And I'm really glad you bring that up because I mean, one thing about the podcast is I, it has to be transparent. Like yeah. I ask everybody, tell me, tell me the bad with the good because yeah. it is so easy to hit all the highlights, the Instagram highlight reels, oh God, yeah. you know, like this is my life. Look at me. I'm over here. Like, you know, and, and your Instagram is so much fun too. Oh. And like posting uh, and all kinds of really fun stuff, but we don't, we don't necessarily see the hard side. We don't oh, see you napping on the floor in the back. Right. I mean, your mom is super sweet, but I'm sure you've had arguments with her, maybe oh God, even yeah. with your husband yeah. and like, and those hard moments, like, are, did we do the right thing? Did we make the right decision? 100%. You know, like going in circles with yourself. And so I really love talking about that because, yeah, anybody can walk in here and be like, you have the cutest coffee shop in Rhino. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, I want to do this. Yeah. Like, Ooh, there's a lot of things we need to think about first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And then to, to broaden it a little further... What what message or advice would you like to say to anybody listening from whatever you want to say? I think just anything that you want to do, just go do. I think, I don't think enough people do that at all. And I think that's something like, even now with us having opened the coffee shop, like my husband coaches soccer and for the Rapids youth and he loves it so much. And he's like, he's now coaching for them, but he wasn't two years ago. And I think he saw mom and I doing our thing and like we didn't know anything about coffee and we're like hey look at this heart I just drew in this lot he's like what <laughs> like how's that happening and I think it's so many people love are passionate about different things and I think just following and it sounds so like cliche like follow your dreams but you only live once and there's just not enough people out there doing what they want to be doing and I think that a lot of that is like you know financial struggle which I totally understand because it's expensive to live in cities and like do the things that you want to do. But I think that priorities can be made and like, you got to just, you got to just, even if it's like a little bit of volunteering, like going to the zoo and looking at different things, talking to Dave, doing little things where you're like, Hey, 
I can go volunteer at this place and maybe that's not Africa yet because I've got to save money to go fly there and go volunteer and do this. I just think that, that people need to really evaluate what they love. I was talking to somebody the other day and it was actually randomly some guy that comes in here that I used to work with and he's like a director of software development at a, at a tech company. And I was like, do you love your job? And he's like, I mean, I like my job and it pays the bills. And I was like, well, what could you do if you weren't doing that? Like, what would you do with your life? And he truly couldn't answer me. Wow. And it drove me absolutely nuts. And it happens all the time here because I'm like, okay, dream job, go. And everybody's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, ah, I just want you to know what you love. Like, I, I would just implore people to like sit down and like, whether it takes some meditating or like, just think about what do you actually, what brings you joy? And it's like, what is that? Like, what is, I have Marie Kondo or something like what sparks joy in your life? <laughs> Where it's like the little silly things like that of like holding up a t-shirt and like, does it spark joy? Thinking about what in your life actually does bring you joy and what actually makes you happy and fulfills you. Because I think that so many people just stress me out all the time because they're just doing jobs that they don't like. And I, I mean, I did it for 10 years, Absolutely. right? Like, and it wasn't until Brett was like, look, I booked us a flight to Iceland and I think you should quit your job and you're going to have to quit before we leave. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And just making sacrifices in your life to be able to do those little things, I think is just so important. Mm -hmm. And I mean, whether it has anything to do with conservation or not, I think just doing things for you is so important. My two cents. <laughs> that was beautiful. Kara, oh my God. You are such an inspirational person. Oh, thanks, and I am so grateful that you took the time to sit down with me and invite me in. And I love your coffee and I love your drinks. And if anybody is in Denver, if you're flying through or if you're visiting, please come to the Lecker Coffee Shop in Rhino. Come say hi to Donna Kara. They're both going to be here pretty much every time I've been in nice. here and since Brett too. Like all of you have been in here. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks wonderful. for having me. It's just super exciting. Okay. I mean, if anybody has any questions, we're here at the coffee shop every day, yeah. <laughs> 630 to one. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of Rewildology. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button to never miss a future episode. Do you have a cool environmental organization, travel story, or research that you'd like to share? Let me know at rewildology.com. Until next time, friends, together we will rewild the planet. <laughs>